0: This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them, because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. So how's it going? It's go well, I just got the, I don't know if you saw, because I just sent it to the group, but I just got the approval for my new apartment. Congratulations. So I'm, I'm so excited. I'm going to have a fireplace, a garden tub, like all this
1: good stuff. I'm super excited. That's awesome. I'm excited for you.
0: I'm actually going to have two garden towels, but I know that my son will not give a flying flip about it. So.
2: Right. <laughs> okay.
0: um, How about you, Mr. Spring Break? You look so refreshed and well well rested. Do I? Because
1: I <laughs> feel like a pile of hot mess. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. just took a nosedive off the...
0: You literally knock something off every single time we do this. That's how we know it's going to be good. I know. I'm going to have to start asking you to keep your um, your belongings in another
1: room. <laughs> hey, I cleaned this room, by the way. It looks amazing. Look at amazing. you, fancy. Um, and then my mother-in-law and Dr. Sarah cleaned most of the house today.
2: Ooh. And I flat
1: out told them, I was like, look, I will help you on Tuesday. But after the weekend alone that I had, no I mm-hmm. deserve to do nothing today.
0: You totally did. Well, and it's so funny because I'm super excited about my new place, but that also means that I'm going to have to con Mari the shit out of this place.
2: Right. <laughs> I'm not
0: taking – because, you know, I lived here for <clears> – <throat> it'll be over two years when I move out. So it's a long time that, to accumulate crap, you know?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so because one of the comments that we've gotten is that we talk a lot of, like inside, like, inside jokes and stuff. Um, do we? I, yeah. Well, Why don't we stop that? We've gotten better. <laughs> like I mentioned the weekend I've had, but then people oh, yeah, who yeah, don't yeah. know, we don't know the weekend I've had. So, um, long story short, I, this weekend alone had four performances and put together a big fundraiser at my school. That was a mm-hmm. uh, marketplace and had a booth at the marketplace. And so I just needed a little bit of break and I'm glad it's spring break mm-hmm. now.
0: I mean, you've literally just been relaxing. That's all I hear.
1: Yes. Uh, so, hey, welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Paul.
0: I'm Erin.
1: And if you're here because you heard us on Wine and Crime, we, we love welcome. you so much. Welcome.
0: Yeah, we do love you. Welcome. I hope you uh, stay for a while. It's... We're having a pretty damn good time over here. so
1: Absolutely. And <laughs> now is a good time to start. Starting about episode seven or eight, if you're jumping in right now, our audio quality is much improved. Much better. Um, So we're just going to pretend like episodes one through six didn't happen.
0: Except episode one is still one of my favorites.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's got a hell amount of listens right now. I know, but that story is just bananas. Right? This one's Ugh. bananas, too.
0: Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, if this, if you're... Portion Because I will say on the top, you know, and I will re-explain the Lifetime movie, uh, you know, hierarchy. So there's based on a true story, which is generally where they stick, you know, pretty close. Right. And there's inspired by a true story. So the difference is if it's inspired by a true story, they take a lot of liberties, meaning mostly meaning the people that committed these crimes We're super old and not sexy, so we're going to redo it so all the people are young and super sexy. Right,
1: because we have to make it salacious. Totally. Um, My personal favorite is Inspired by True Events.
0: Yeah, that's when it's like, um, this is loosely based around something that maybe happened one time.
1: My grandmother told (laughs) me this story, and now it's a movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But this is inspired by a true story. So when I saw it, I was like, uh-oh, this is going to take a lot of liberties, I'm sure. But I'm really hoping not because this movie was bananas.
1: I can't see why you would take liberties with the real case.
0: Okay. Well, then that makes me very excited.
1: Yeah. Tell me everything. Okay. This week we... Hey, well, before we jump right in... <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. For, because we did get a whole lot of new listeners this weekend, and it's super yeah. exciting. So just a quick rundown for people who are brand new to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we will spend a little bit of time where Erin's going to tell you everything you need to know about this Lifetime movie. The so good- you don't have to watch the movie
0: if you don't want to. <laughs>
1: She's done all the awful work for all of us. Mm-hmm. And then I'm
0: expecting my sainthood to come in any day now.
1: That's another jewel in your crown. And you're working mm-hmm. off all of our time in purgatory. Totally. And then <laughs> I do the research of the actual crime and we mm-hmm. kind of compare it. So now that you know the, the gist of it, let's get into it.
0: That's the gist. Okay. So this movie is called I Killed My BFF. Which I have to say, I did not have high hopes for going in.
1: I really pictured this to be uh, the crime of two 17-year-olds.
0: Same. I really thought it was going to be two kids. Um, It is not. It is two full-grown adults who gush over each other like children and do call each other their very best friend in the whole world while, like, doing stupid shit like holding hands and, like, crying (laughs)
2: yeah
1: this this is the worst yaya sisterhood ever
0: yeah it's yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like the op it what what would be the da da sisterhood the opposite of (laughs) the dodo sisterhood the dodo sisterhood that's it (laughs) i love it so much so that i don't even refer to these two ladies by their name great (laughs) so okay Katrina Bowden, she's the actress that plays Shane, or as I will call her, Happy. Okay. She's done a couple of Lifetime movies. She had a small part in the Dirty John series on Bravo. Okay. And she also has done a movie called Piranha 3 Double D.
1: Um,. I am curious on very many levels.
0: Yeah. So am I. And also, I wouldn't have mentioned it except one of the other people in this movie was also in Piranha 3 Double D.
1: I'm really curious as to if this is an adult film or not because that title could go either way at this point.
0: I really don't know. I really don't know. Anyways, Olivia, <laughs> whose poor last name I'm going to butcher. So take sorry, a running girl. start. Cro. Crokechia. Nailed it. Yeah. She plays Heather or who I will call Sad. So, so we have Happy and Sad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yin and Yang. <laughs> yes.
0: They're perfect for each other. Let me tell you, they're both batshit crazy. Good. Um, She was in a show called Men, Women, and Children which okay. I've never seen. I've never even um, heard of it. And she was also on... Um, that show, Rescue Me. Oh, was that a like a fire show? I don't know. I think so. It's been a minute since I looked at the IMDb. Last but not least, we have Chris Zilka. He plays Alex. He was in The Amazing Spider-Man. Movie. Oh.
1: Yeah,
0: he played Flash Thompson.
1: Well, I have seen that.
0: I know you have. <laughs> it's like the one movie that you have seen. Um,
1: Show's over now. We did it.
0: Yeah. Um, And he was also in Piranha 3 Double D. Oh, man. Which I'm going to have to look up on the sci fi channel or where I'm I'm assuming that's where it ran. I'm not sure. It sounds like a sci fi show.
1: I'm hoping it's a sci fi show.
0: Yeah. It's either going to be on the sci fi channel or Pornhub. I'm not sure which.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll search sci fi. I'll start there. You can do the other search.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Ah. Anyways, okay. So we open and it says, inspired by a true story, which we already covered. Um, We open on a farm where, like, an old man is, like, farming. I don't know how farms work, so he's doing that. (laughs) Um, He sees a vulture, like, one vulture. Okay. And I live in South Texas, so those things are freaking everywhere. So, But he sees this one vulture and he's like, better go investigate. And so he goes off to see... And he finds cookies.
1: What a great surprise. I already like this movie. Just kidding. He found a dead body. No, let's go back to the (laughs) cookies. Were they chocolate chip or oatmeal raisin? Because if they were oatmeal raisin, boy, you better leave. That is a bad place.
0: Yeah. If they were oatmeal raisin, I would assume that the person who, the dead person laying next to them was the person who made them. Right. Trying to pass them off as chocolate chip. No. Um. We immediately cut back to a girl in school. So there's no, there's just there's no fluency, like fluidity, fluidity here. Like this,
1: just in. I'm gonna know. get whiplash from this film. I can already. You are. Tell. Oh, you're you are.
0: Um, she is pregnant and lonely and sad, and that's why I call her sad. Okay. We see another pregnant girl who is much happier, and she's putting on lipstick. She is happy
1: well this already sounds like a very involved movie
0: it is all the while a bb Rexa song is playing so i guess lifetime had a little bit extra budget to play with on this one
2: i'm Mm -hmm. impressed
0: yeah so sad is at the pharmacy and she's taking a bunch of medicine and happy is decorating her nursery with her boyfriend um, they're talking about getting married when she suddenly goes from being completely fine to
1: being in full-blown screaming labor. Oh, I've never had a kid. I don't think that's how it works, though.
0: I've had a kid, and that's not how it works.
1: Okay, thank mm-hmm. you. Erin's yeah. done the legwork for us.
0: I have. Um, I also did that legwork, so you don't have to. You're welcome. You just <laughs> um, do it all.
1: One-stop shop with Erin.
0: I know. So Sad is driving around with her boyfriend, talking about names, and they're fighting. The boyfriend says um, having the baby was her decision, and she yells back that he was the one that wanted to have sex without a condom, and so there are consequences to that, and this baby are those consequences, and at least someone is teaching kids about safe sex. I'm not sure how I feel about it being Lifetime, but, you know, got (laughs) to take what we can get.
1: Listen, don't let Lifetime raise your kids.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's more of an education than the kids are going to get in a public school, so.
1: No comment. Sex education, that is. I knew what you meant. Mm-hmm. Did I ever tell you I got sex ed certified when I taught in Texas? Oh, why? Because I needed some PD and it was the only thing left.
0: mm no, I would not want to teach sex ed, but also I would not want to, I would definitely not want to teach abstinence only sex
1: ed. That's what it is in Texas. It's got to be mm-hmm. 99% abstinence. Oh, I know. Abstinence. I live here. I know I live you
0: know. here. I know. I gotcha. Um, so, um, he, the boyfriend calls Sab delusional and then says, you take like 500 pills a day. Aren't they supposed to make you less insane? Uh-oh. Which is a very bold thing to say to a pregnant woman.
2: Really, to any
1: woman or well, person, a pregnant
0: woman, especially a pregnant woman who was crazy before she got pregnant, right? <laughs> um, because I will tell you this, as a person who has experienced pregnancy, it makes you crazy, real crazy. Um, he gets a text from another girl, and so sad, freaks the fuck out, and starts hitting him and screaming. Like you do. I mean, don't hit your boyfriend. Don't hit your girlfriend. Don't hit your boyfriend. Don't hit anyone. Just keep your hands to
1: yourself.
2: Amen. Mm -hmm.
0: And he shows, you know, what I assume to be a tremendous amount of restraint for a person who looks like a teenager, but apparently is not. Um, He just pulls over, gets out of his own truck and starts to walk away. Impressive. Yeah. I mean, for like a a kid, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, But sad pregnant also suddenly goes into full-blown labor
2: they were like there's
0: pitocin in the water you guys
1: they were sisters joined by labor pains yeah
0: so they go to the hospital there they both show them um giving birth and screaming and i mean i don't know there's not that much screaming that i remember hearing but whatever
2: i mean what do you know
0: yeah. So they're in the hospital, and they end up sharing a hospital room. This is how they meet.
2: Ah, like
0: all good friendships start. Totally. Um, Sad's mom brings her some water and then tells her not to think about, quote, him. Because apparently he just, like, dropped her off and left her there, which is real shitty, but whatever. Um, and she's, so mom says, like, today is about her and baby Molly. Not that. Horrible ex boyfriend of hers. I get it. Mm-hmm. Happy kicks her boyfriend out to go to work because she's like, hey, we have another mouth to feed. Get your ass to work.
2: <laughs> okay, fair.
0: Mm-hmm. A nurse comes in and tells Sad that she hasn't delivered her placenta yet. So the doctor's either going to have to help her push it out or they're going to give her a complete hysterectomy. I don't feel like those are the only two options. Yeah, I'm not a real doctor, but I don't think that, I think there's a middle ground somewhere.
1: Dr. Sarah's out shopping right now, or I would ask her.
0: Totally. Oh, we should have had her on. I didn't think about it.
1: I didn't want my mother-in-law to hear me say fuck as many times as I do.
0: <laughs> um. So Happy flips the curtain back and says this has happened to her before because they have another kid. And she wouldn't trust a doctor that didn't have the balls to come into her room himself and tell her all this. She says to ask um, the nurse for the hospital's best surgeon to come talk to her and to not let anyone take away her choice to have more children. And again, Lifetime is teaching important lessons to kids that their own school won't teach them. And I'm still not sure how I feel about that. Right? (laughs) I'm really torn already. I know. I mean, who knew that we'd get such a good lesson on bodily autonomy and sex education from a Lifetime movie? Um, so sad follows her advice. And apparently Happy's name is Shane and Sad's name is Heather, but I don't care. No, they're not. This is my world, they're happy and sad. Get used to it. <laughs> um Sad is talking about how she and her mom just got notice um at their apartment that they have to move. And Happy is like, oh, well, there's a two bedroom in my complex that somebody just moved out of. You guys should totally take it. It's super cheap. And so I spent all last weekend looking for an apartment and filling out applications and shit. And this bitch rents an apartment from a hospital bed from the person that doesn't even own it. So.
1: Um, Well, you weren't in twin labor with your BFF. That's your problem.
0: My sole birth sister. Yeah. Gross. Um. So, Sad's like, oh, that's it. We're moving in. Um, Justin, Sad's boyfriend shows up, and Sad proceeds to freak out. Like you do. Like you do. The boyfriend, like, starts fighting um, and telling the nurse that he didn't do anything because the nurse comes in. and is like, what the hell is going on in here? Um, But Happy, like, takes the opportunity to step in and be like, hey, like, he's totally provoking her. This poor kid didn't do a goddamn thing. (laughs) Um she's like, "Oh, he's totally provoking her. He's being mean like he needs to leave." So um the boyfriend still is protesting. So Happy gets all up in his face and screams, "I swear to God, I will rip that stupid haircut right off your head."
1: If I had a dollar for every time I've had that thought, though. Mm-hmm.
0: And then she continues to get up in his face and is like, "You want to fight me? You want to fight me?" And I was like, who is this? Chick? Girl, you just <laughs>
1: delivered a child. Chill out. Calm down. Um,
0: if it wasn't so hysterically funny, I would have been absolutely appalled, but <laughs> it was. <laughs> so sad starts having a panic attack, but happy hugs her and says everything's going to be okay because now they're best friends.
2: Right. When
1: your labor sister hugs you, everything's better. Sure. You didn't know that was the rule?
0: I must have had a really odd birth experience. Yeah.
1: Listen, I, I know quite a bit about labor sisters from the, um, three minutes I've been listening to you talk. Um, (laughs) Welcome to mansplaining one Oh one with Paul Adams.
0: (laughs) Yes, please mansplain to me about childbirth. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, flash forward to one year later. Um, and happy is still coming in hot with the parenting advice. Um, Sad is now her babysitter, I think, maybe. Um, She meets her now ex-boyfriend at the park uh, with baby Molly, who's very cute. Um, The ex is congratulating himself on becoming such a, quote, kick-ass dad.
1: Oh, good. Way to pat yourself on the back, buddy.
0: Right. Good job. But then he asks Sad if he can maybe take Molly for a sleepover that weekend because his parents – and his girlfriend's parents are in town, and they all want to see the baby. Okay. Um,
1: Sad he says sounds she'll, like an involved dad. Yeah.
0: Sad says she'll think about it, but inside she's going a little a little
1: nuts. Sad needs Absolutely. better medication. Yeah, she takes a
0: lot of medication.
1: I spent a lot of this movie
0: trying to figure out which one was going to end up being the crazier one.
1: Which one had clonopin?
0: That have Klonopin. Okay. Um. So meanwhile, Happy is at work um, and talking to a customer who asks, like, when she graduated college, which – why? Why do you need to know that? You're shopping at a boutique. Stop it.
1: That's the first um, thing I asked. When I was a cashier at Walmart, I would, like, scan somebody's me. eggs and be like, so when did you graduate from college? Were you on the dean's list? <laughs> did you get that 4.0? Mm? <laughs>
0: um." She says she didn't because, quote, life got in the way. Um, Later, she's leaving the store and she runs into a guy named Simon, who I guess knows her dad. And they never get into this, really. But what I gathered over the course of the movie is that her dad was some kind of famous musician. Okay. And I don't know why. And they never
1: say his name or anything. But that's what I. Wait. So this is Sad's dad? No, Happy's. Okay. Because I was like, Sad's child was molly right yeah and molly was the name of Brittany murphy in uptown girls whose dad was a famous musician and all of a sudden my little brain was whirring with one thought and it was wrong
0: it was very wrong
1: (laughs) (laughs) mansplaining Uh, with paul adams
0: (laughs) yeah apparently last time simon saw happy she was gonna be a big old movie or music star Um, Simon tells her that he and his wife are opening up a new music club and asks her and her boyfriend to invest. All they need is $15,000. Oh, that's all? Yeah. So Happy is super, uh, for lack of a better term, happy about this. Um, She goes to meet her boyfriend who quickly reminds her that they don't have $15,000.
1: What's wrong with them?
0: I don't know. They're just poor and sad.
1: That's, I mean... I have $15,000 in this one pocket. It's all in $1 bills because I like to show off. Do
0: you work at a strip club?
1: (laughs) I choose not to answer this for fear that it may incriminate me in future episodes.
0: (laughs) So, um... Happy then goes out to meet her BFF Sad at the bar and they get drunk and do that drunk girl bonding thing where they just gush to each other how about, about how great um, they think the other one is.
1: Oh, I was like crying in the bathroom over each other's hair.
0: I mean, that's not a thing. So <laughs> oh, no. One, my <laughs>
1: best friend, one of her favorite stories is the time she cried in the bathroom at a bar because this girl's fro was so beautiful and she'd never have hair <laughs> like that. And... She wonders about her all the time, so Look, it's a thing. As,
0: as a woman, I can tell you that there are no greater friendships than those people I met in the ba- bathroom at a bar while I was hammered. <laughs> You're all still my best friends, even though I have no idea who you are.
1: <laughs> Shout out to that one girl and what's her face and yeah. you know who.
0: Yeah, I still love your outfit, girl. <laughs> um, so... Sad tells Happy that she and Alex, which is Happy's boyfriend, um, are all meant to be till the day they die.
2: A thruple.
0: Yes. (laughs) except No, but yes. I mean, that's what she's describing. That's not what they are.
1: That's clearly not what they are. I'm not making fun of thruples in general. I'm making fun of this situation because I know the story.
0: You do you. Do whatever you want to do, as long as it's legal and consensual. Um, Later, Sad takes a very drunk, happy home to Alex. Um, Alex walks her out, and he notices that she has a tattoo of a black sheet behind her ear. And he also has one on his arm. They have so much in common. No way. Wow. Thruple times two. Besties for the resties. Okay um the next day uh sad is walking with ex-boyfriend and his new girlfriend whose name is melanie but i'm gonna call chatty kathy because she never shuts the fuck up um she's talking so literally kathy they're all walking towards the car and kathy's like so i've never actually designed anything but that doesn't mean that i can't like be a designer right
1: that's like, do you remember back in Jody Arias when she was going to be a real estate, real estate investor and she didn't know anything about real estate?
2: <sighs>
1: it doesn't bode well for you, Melanie. I'm sorry.
0: No. Jody Arias has her own problem, so. Oh, yeah.
1: So.
0: I'm not saying that Melanie is crazy. going to be Jody.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm just saying.
0: Um, <clears throat> sad it looks like she wants to jump off the nearest bridge and I actually understand her in this moment. Because I kind of did, too. (laughs) Oh, no. So the ex and Chatty are going to take Molly for an overnight visit. Um, Sad is freaking out because that's what moms do. But she takes it just a little too far.
1: She puts a tracker on her child.
0: No. Um, She just ends up, like, uh, crying and calling him and leaving him voicemails, like, all weekend about how the baby is. Which also would be really concerning if he just never called back. Right. Which he doesn't, and which really would freak me out if I were her. Um, <clears throat> happy is picking up Alex from work, and he's upset because he didn't get the raise that he asked for. Um, happy is also very upset because they don't have any money, and she says that success is just passing them by, and she's so sick of watching everyone else be happy and not them, even though her name is literally Happy.
1: Doesn't she know better?
0: I know she should he's she suggests borrowing the money from his parents he's not super into that idea
1: um i just realized that my front door is wide open let me go shut it because i got my earbuds in excellent sorry that took so long life is rough when you live in a mansion
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god okay (laughs) Um anyways like I said uh Sad is becoming a little unhinged but X and Chatty bring back Molly all safe and sound in one piece. Um the X says he they'd actually like to take Molly more often they'd like to see her and he's like hey I even talked to like a lawyer friend who says his custody stuff is like a total breeze like no big deal but Sad hears the word lawyer and goes into a, like a blind rage. <laughs> I mean,
2: I do, too, anytime I hear I about mean, lawyers. Okay.
0: I say that wrong, because she didn't quite go into a blind rage yet, but she's gonna, so hold oh, on. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so she's freaking out a little, and the ex is like, so why don't we just all come back on Thursday? We'll talk about this. Um. Happy, meanwhile, is at the bank asking for a loan. Uh... Sad goes to her therapist and talks about how hot she thinks Alex is, but Alex and Happy are so perfect together and Happy is so beautiful and Happy is her best friend and Sad would never do anything to Happy, but da da She's she's on the yeah, she's on the
1: roller coaster. Okay. For sure. Um at least she's talking to somebody that's like yeah. a trained professional.
0: She then calls the them. The three of them, happy, sad, and Alex, one big, happy family. Thruple. Right.
1: I'm trying to make this a word.
0: Yeah. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's never going (laughs) to (sighs) happen. So the therapist is a little concerned. She says she's, you know, uh, sad, seems a little manic because she's got bipolar disorder. Okay. Um, she says she's seeming a little bit manic and she asks her if she ever fantasizes about Happy no longer being in the picture and um Sad is like oh no of course not never she's my best friend in the whole wide world but the therapist is like here's some new pills
1: um my eyes just got real big it's like when I read a book and I figured out what's going to happen next except Mm -hmm. I don't think I know what's going to happen next I don't
0: think you do either um the ex and Chatty come over to talk about quote custody stuff and like buckle up. <sighs> he says that he and Chatty are going to move to another town, so if they can't decide amongst themselves about custody, they'll have to go to court and let a judge decide. Okay. Sad starts screaming at him about how he has no idea how to raise a child and how hard it is. Um, Sad's mom, who she still lives with, like comes in tries to break everything up, but this just adds fuel to the fire. Um, The ex says he doesn't think Molly should be around sad when she's acting like this.
1: Probably not the smartest thing to say in a moment.
0: Also, but also like, he's not wrong. No,
1: absolutely. He's (laughs) not wrong.
0: Um, So this girl stands up and starts screaming at him to get the hell out of her house. They proceed to yell at each other while the poor baby wakes up and screams in the, in the background. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, sweet girl. Um, this goes then from 100 to 1,000 real fast because Sad then flies into a blind rage pulls a knife out of the kitchen and starts threatening um, the ex and chatty Kathy with it.
1: So a typical Tuesday in my family's house.
0: Totally. Gotcha. Um, so finally her mom like wraps her in a hug and the ex like takes the knife out of her hand and puts it down. He then takes the baby and says she's completely off her rocker and he's taking the baby.
1: And I'm taking the kid, dumbass. Well, no, this is not
0: legally blonde.
1: <laughs> Everything is legally blonde.
0: Um, right at this moment, I thought my sound went out. Because Sad runs to the door and her mouth is open like she's screaming, but there's no sound coming out. That's really unsettling. It was. Um, so just as I found my remote... Sad found her screaming voice, and she used it.
2: <laughs> Don't like that.
0: It was real bad. Um, she's screaming. She knocks everything off a table and starts sobbing on the floor. And here comes Happy from across the way to comfort her.
1: I tried to give Happy some, like, music, but I decided against it. You're welcome.
0: Okay. Um, she – so they go to see a lawyer who is telling Molly um, or no, who's telling sad that Molly is going to have to stay with the ex until the trial. But 60% of custody cases go to the mother. I feel
1: like that's true. a really low number.
0: I think it is, but I mean, it's at least that
1: in Louisiana, for sure. It's closer to 90% go to the mother. Yeah.
0: In the South, it's different. Yeah. So she's saying that they need character witnesses to tell, you know, the court, what a good mother she is. Okay. Happy, who, of course, is there because she can't keep her goddamn nose out of anything, um, jumps in because Sad is literally her babysitter, and she would never leave her kids with somebody that she didn't trust. And that Sad is the most responsible person she's ever met. This makes the lawyer very excited, who's in, like, hey, we can totally win this as long as you stay out of trouble. Okay. Um. So Alex and Sad go run errands together. I'm like, oh, that's not good.
2: No. No.
0: While Happy's at work. Um, She tells him that he's the greatest man she's ever met.
2: Not a good idea.
0: No. Um, Alex and Happy go eat dinner with his family. And boy, are they super well adjusted and normal.
2: Um your
1: eyes tell me something different than your mouth.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So Alex apparently is an alcoholic and he's been sober for like 20 months. Okay. The dad is fucking hammered. Great. Like super drunk. Great. And also berating Alex about how he used to be a drunk
1: which seems very hypocritical to me, but <laughs> Wait, so is he mad that Alex is no longer, or he's just digging up old laundry? He's just digging up old laundry. He thinks Alex should have a better job. He thinks that if he hadn't
0: wasted so much time being drunk when he was younger, maybe he would have a better job.
2: Hey, Dad, go fuck
1: yourself.
0: Yeah. Um. So Happy breaks the news then that they're going in on this club because she got the loan. Oh. So then dad changes his tune real quick and he's like, well, how about that? You're finally doing something with your life. Unfortunately, the next day they're visiting the club space and happy gets the call that in fact, she did not get the loan.
1: So why did she say she did?
0: I think she just thought it was going to go through and she didn't know. Okay. Um, Something about, something about counting your chickens before they hatch.
1: Cart before the horse.
0: Right. Um, Happy calls Alex's dad to ask him for the money. And since those two get along so well, I think this is going to go over
2: really well. Swimmingly.
0: Yeah. Um, The dad says no, that they can't afford any quote handouts right now. Yikes. Um, Happy is complaining to sad about it and, Sada's like, hey, you have a ton of good things going on. Um, You shouldn't be upset about this. And then she says, you know, Happy, you're so smart and resourceful. Maybe you're just not thinking of the right solution. Why don't you try thinking outside the box? And I don't think that she was suggesting what happens next. Mm.
1: But maybe. Lemonade stand on every corner? Totally. Oh, yeah. See, I think that's great. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no. Um, instead of starting a uh, lemonade stand on every corner, she decides to think outside the the legal box. Um, she has Sad come babysit. She puts on a black mini dress, thigh high boots, grabs some duct tape, and leaves the house. So I'm not sure if she's going to go rob a bank or sell her body. I don't know. Something's about to happen. Listen.
1: Some people are into that. True. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I I can't imagine that the logical next step from selling herself leads to the title I killed my BFF. Mm, yeah. So
0: So what she does is she goes to Alex's work. And I was like, "Oh, she's gonna get a little sexy time then before she goes and does whatever the hell she's gonna do." I right. respect that. Right. I respect that a lot. Um, what does Alex do? Do we know? He works at a restaurant. He's like a like a manager of a restaurant or something. Okay. Um. So she slams him up against the wall and like points her two fingers like up under his chin like a gun, and is like, "Take me to the safe, tough guy."
1: Okay. Real bad role play real bad. I can still get on board. You tried. Yeah.
0: Um so they start to make out and he takes her upstairs like he thinks it's going to be like a sexy romp, you know. Right. He's all into it. Um she says that instead she wants to steal the money that the restaurant's been keeping away from them.
1: That's not sexy time anymore. No. You're so doing Alex, it wrong.
0: Alex is like, "Um there's surveillance cameras, babe." <laughs> And he says that she's being a little nuts. She says that if, you know, if the laptop that has all the security footage on it goes missing, then it literally could have been anyone who robbed the restaurant. Probably don't do that. So she then duct tapes his mouth, climbs on top of him. And then knocks him out. Which you, is not the kind of sexual fantasy that I have. Not
1: but. yeah, me neither. And I I have done a lot of things wrong. <laughs> so I can tell you that you still didn't do it right, girl. Right.
0: Um so I guess she steals the money because she goes home to sad with a bottle of champers and they blast the music and drink. Um and then sad The next day is at the pharmacy and she sees Alex on the news talking about the robbery.
1: (laughs) Those are very large air quotes for everyone who can't see
2: Aaron.
0: (laughs) Um, He is just so she sees that and she like freaks out a little. She's like, man, how did I not know this? But she's also a little suspicious.
1: Okay, follow that instinct. Sad. Keep that feeling.
0: Happy finds Sad in the and like out in the courtyard when she's on her way home and it's like, Hey, like let's all go to the park. And Sad's so like, mm, Pass. Okay, okay, I'm down with this. So she had seen Happy go out and take some trash out earlier. So she also takes her trash out so she can go through Happy's
1: trash. You're not an investigator. All the what police.
0: she finds is the smashed up laptop from the restaurant, because
1: Happy is really good at being a criminal. Clearly. Man, so she sucks at sexy time and criminaling. criminaling? I know. Criminalizing? Good thing she's super hot in this movie. Well, that's good. Um, wait till you hear who I cast as her.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> I guess she goes to the police with the laptop because Alex gets fired in the next scene. Okay. The owner says that the police have strong evidence that it was him. And that he doesn't necessarily believe the cops, but until it all blows over, they have to let him go. Okay. Alex does not take this news well.
2: I can imagine not.
0: Uh, Meanwhile, there's a knock on Happy's door, and it's the police who have questions about the robbery. Open up. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I felt like that was necessary, but it was.
0: Yeah. Alex, after getting, you know, fired, proceeds to go to the bar and get drunk. Let me remind you, he's an alcoholic. That's
2: not a good thing. No. Bad idea.
0: He's also been sober for a really long time, so the amount of whiskey he drank is very concerning. (laughs) yikes um so instead of going home he goes to sad's house
1: no Mm -mm.
0: he's super drunk and crying so she invites him in don't do that he confesses basically confesses to her that they were the ones that robbed the restaurant while she like pretty much sits as close to his lap without actually being on his lap as possible and rubs his head.
2: Okay.
1: Like, I get that that could be comforting, but also sad. Like, you know that there's some issues here. Yeah. And you know that's your best friend's boyfriend and that you're into him. So maybe just like a foot back. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Um, she says they'll figure it out together and then they make out.
1: That happened. I I was not ready for that, and you even warned me. I did. You gave me everything I should know. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I mean, I guess sometimes making out can clear your head, so you can make a good plan. But in this case, he just freaks out a little and then goes home.
1: Right, because now you've added like more issues. Sad.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's the bipolar thing, the robbery thing, the custody thing. Like, there's so much going on.
1: Right. You don't need one more thing.
0: Right. Um, he stumbles home, and he and Happy get in a super loud fight, which wakes up their kids. Um, Happy says that they can definitely beat these charges as long as they get married, like tomorrow, because spouses cannot testify against each other, which is not entirely true.
1: I talk about that a little bit in my case.
0: Well, and I will retouch on that at the end
1: because I figured mm -hmm. it would come back into play.
0: So, she proposes marriage and then says that they need to talk about sad because sad's been acting weird and they need to maintain control over her.
2: Mm -mm. Mm
0: -hmm. This is where I start to figure out that happy is actually the crazy one. Yeah. Whoops. Um, So, then, like, she's on her knees, like, proposing to him and saying that they need to get control over Sad again. And she's like, you know, it doesn't hurt that she's also super in love with you. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh-oh. hmm So um, Happy and Sad end up going to the park together, and Happy tells her that they need to save each other. So she'll testify for Sad, and Sad will testify for Happy that they were together the night of the robbery okay, you and scratch be her alibi. App, I'll
1: scratch yours, okay? Mm-hmm.
0: And then Happy asks Sad to be her maid of honor. Aww. Because Alex proposed, which I didn't see that happen, but maybe it did. <laughs> Listen,
1: proposals can't happen without people posting about them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Musical.ly, insert social media here.
0: Right, but when you're in a movie and you propose to him, you don't then go tell your friends that he proposed to you.
1: I mean, I tried.
0: Um, so SAD's at home looking at photos of the baby on FaceSpace. Okay. And there's a knock on the door. And it's the police! Surprise! They want to know about Happy's alibi. The police um, detective also reminds SAD... That she has an upcoming custody hearing and that if for some reason she lies to them, it could really like ruin her chances of, of getting her daughter back.
2: Yes. Which
1: is super manipulative. It is. I didn't love that. I don't love that, but it is also true. It is. And I don't know if she was coming
0: from like a, like, I'm just going to remind you of this or if it was like a an intended, intended to be manipulative. Right. Um, so we cut to sad at happy and Alex's wedding. Alex looks miserable. Happy looks like she's on top of the world and sad is very upset.
1: I can't imagine why. Mm-hmm.
0: She like leaves the the place and Alex follows her and they tell each other that they both can't just stop thinking about that night. And, um, sad tells Alex Oh, she he tells her or she tells him that um, there's something she needs to tell him. But they get interrupted because one of the bridesmaids is like, "Um, you need to get in here, Alex. Because surprise, the police are there to do a wedding flash mob. That's so nice of them. Yeah, just kidding. is it Bruno Mars? Well, it might have been, but instead, Happy and Alex are getting arrested.
1: That's not Bruno Mars. At their wedding. It's a beautiful Which I cannot, ima-
0: I cannot imagine anything
1: more humiliating. We're looking for something dumb to do.
0: Hey, baby, I want to rob my restaurant with you.
1: I mean, it works perfectly. That was awesome. Let's okay. go on the road with that. We
0: should. Um, Alex screams it's sad to take care of the kids. Um... They're in jail, and his father's lawyer shows up, and his dad has agreed to bail them out.
1: Okay, so he is given handouts.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just certain kinds. Gotcha. So after they get out, Happy drives to the club, um, and it's all taped and boarded up, and her good old buddy Simon has apparently taken off with their fifteen thousand dollars.
1: Uh-oh. <laughs> I told
2: me to laugh, but shit.
0: Dude, this movie has so many fucking problems. Like I can't. <laughs> I thought my life was dramatic. My god. Um So she calls Alex to kind of tell him and she says also says that she knows it was sad who talked to the police. And she says that maybe they just won't testify for her at her custody hearing. That'll teach her a lesson. <laughs> Yeah, but that idea runs its course quickly because she runs into, excuse me, another neighbor who is also going to testify for SAD at her hearing. Okay. Um, Alex is in bed drinking and texting SAD. She's been out buying stuff for Molly and for Alex's kids. She's definitely super manic again. Okay. Her mom is very concerned about this and calls the therapist. Sad goes to dinner at Happy and Alex's house and she talks like 9,000 miles a minute. She's just like going. Gotcha. Um, I don't know if you've ever like been around like a a really manic person. Yes. Yeah. Um, Happy finally has enough and she's like, shut up. But unfortunately, Sad does not shut up and starts talking about how Alex works so hard for the family and needs someone who appreciates him.
2: No, 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 yeah.
0: Happy says that maybe she'll show up at the custody hearing and tell everyone what a nutbag Sad is.
2: Joke's
1: on you. Everyone already knows there's a movie yeah. about it.
0: Sad responds by picking up her wine glass and throwing it close to her head and hitting the wall behind her. Okay. Um, She says that Happy's not going to do anything to her because she can have Happy thrown in jail whenever she wants.
1: Ooh, I don't like this. Like I can outmanipulate you, kind of yeah. situation.
0: These, I told you these these people are both insane. Um,
1: but at least one is diagnosed and receiving help for it. Yeah, like she's um, doing the right thing, except for that whole like messing around with these threepole situation.
0: Yeah. So Alex chases after her, and she cries to him about how horrible it is to see them together. Um, She says that she'll do anything for him, that she loves those kids as her own, and they just need to take care of, quote, her, i.e. Happy.
1: I'm not sure which one kills which now. I I didn't know either. I'm waffling. Lifetime, good job. I know. This movie was really
0: well done, actually. I was very impressed with
1: it, but I'll talk
0: about that later. Um, Happy goes out of town, so sad, and Alex take a drive out to farm country, which looks very familiar from the beginning of this movie. Where they found a body. Cookies. Um they take a picnic out to an old abandoned church to have like a nice romantic afternoon together.
1: Don't go to abandoned places unless you were in teen witch.
0: <laughs> um Alex is being super nervous and weird, but sad is like, hey, you can relax. Um But the music playing in the background in this scene tells a totally different story.
1: (laughs) It's Kesha TikTok. No.
0: They start making out and it's starting to get hot and heavy when Happy comes and ruins the moment by hitting Sad in the head with the butt of a gun.
1: Uh, I was not expecting that. Okay. look, It's about to get real wild. Okay. (sighs)
0: Sad, like falls over and she's trying to get up and she's like what is happening but he doesn't say anything because he's a gigantic fucking dumbass (laughs) this guy's super hot but he's the worst
1: is he actually super hot do i need to look him up
0: i don't know if he's super hot in real life that's for you to tell me but the actor yes, actor. (laughs) yes he is um
1: so this still doesn't clear up whether Piranha 3D is on a sci-fi or adult channel. <laughs> right.
0: So um Happy starts screaming that they didn't want this to happen. They didn't want to have to lure her out into the middle of nowhere like this. And that this is really all sad's fault. I
1: knew it was coming!
0: God, the minute you
1: said that I knew she was gonna blame Sad. <laughs>
0: Sad begs Alex to stop her, but happy yells at her to shut up um she immediately hap- or sad immediately starts having a panic attack, which same um, and happy is screaming at her to stay still because I guess it's really hard to shoot someone when they're moving.
2: Uh,
1: hold on to that phrase for a while <laughs>
0: <laughs> Happy looks at Alex. Um, and Sad rushes her and like pushes her into a window pane. So, right now it's still all up in the air. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, they struggle over like furniture and stuff. And um, Alex finally decides to sack up and do something. He picks up the gun and screams it Happy to get off of Sad. Um, he shoots the gun up into the air diagonally so as not to accidentally <laughs> shoot himself.
1: They listened to this <laughs> last week. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Which gets everyone atten- everyone's attention. He points the gun at Sad and tells her to stay still. She stands up and says that she idolized them and that they can't shut her up because the laptop they thought they destroyed, she already gave to the police.
1: So, Don't their goose- soliloquy. That's so how everyone dies. So, their goose is cooked,
0: basically. Um, Happy screams that she's bluffing while Alex stands there with the gun pointed out, sad, just doing nothing.
1: <sighs> I mean, Sock that's up, what guys do.
0: Um, Sad tells him she also told the police that he was just dragged into it; that it wasn't his fault. Um, that he can still save himself, like if he gets her out of this situation. Okay. Um, Happy also tries to get. Alex's attention. And poor Alex gets confused. He doesn't know who to listen to because he's never had an original thought ever.
1: (laughs) Well, it's a good thing I've opened my course, Mansplanning 101, on this episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard to know which one of your crazy girlfriends to believe when you're drunk and a complete idiot. (laughs) He looks like back and forth between both of them. Sad tells Happy that she is a complete failure. Thank God your father never had to see who you became.
1: Oh shit! Don't bring dead daddy into this. Mm -hmm.
0: But also, like, I guess if I was gonna die, this is how I would go.
1: I would just be talking shit.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) totally. You know me.
1: (laughs) We've met, Um, yes. We've
0: met, yes. (laughs) Um. Happy tells Alex to shoot Sad. Um, Sad tells Alex that she loves him. Happy and Sad both start screaming at Alex to shoot the other one. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Happy is like, God damn it, I have to do everything myself. And she, she takes the gun and shoots Sad in the stomach. So she falls down and tells Alex that she really did love him. And Happy's like gunning up to shoot her again. But, oh, no, the gun jams. So Happy throws it down and Sad, meanwhile, tells Alex that someday Happy will betray him, too. Foreshadowing.
1: That's Um, the worst fortune cookie prophecy ever.
0: Alex still looks very confused about what exactly is happening. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Poor guy. Just on overload. Um, Meanwhile, Happy finds a shard of glass from the window big enough to stab Sad with, so she does. Like super Jody Arias style with blood flying everywhere. Uh -uh, I don't like that. So Alex finally finds his voice and is like, please stop.
1: Oh, that'll work.
0: Yeah. But she doesn't. Um, Sad dies, and so they drag her out and dump her body. And they bury her with
1: grass. They
0: do. They bury her with like chunks of grass.
1: Like they put grass in the hole with her?
0: No, there's no hole. They just put her body there and then they throw grass on top.
1: (laughs) It's like an Easter egg hunt. Don't ever find it. (laughs) That would be the worst Easter egg to find.
0: (laughs) I found the prize egg. It's a mannequin. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cut to the custody hearing where X is given given custody of Molly because she didn't show up, and this is before they find her body, so they think that she's just just flaked out. Gotcha. Which is really kind of the saddest part to me.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. Then the farmer finds her. They get the. They call her mom, and we cut to Happy in an interrogation room. And do you remember? When Sad told Alex that someday Happy would
1: betray him too, the fortune cookie, yes,
0: yes. Well, his fortune came to pass much quickly, much too, much more quickly than imagined. Mm-hmm. So Happy is telling the police that it was all Alex, and he did it because Sad was the only one that knew, besides her, that Alex had robbed the restaurant all on his own. Um, I mean. Yeah, right here I said when the dying girl is right, she's fucking right. <laughs> um, Happy says that Alex told her he was gonna kill Sad, but she didn't believe him. She says she followed them out to the abandoned church, but by the time they got there, it was just too late. And this has just been so hard on her because they're such good friends. She says she really wants to help because um this because Alex can be just so crazy. Um she says she was not at all involved in any way, never, nope, nothing, never did anything. Um, Sad's mom, meanwhile, is going through the house. And it turns out Sad was bluffing when she says they gave the laptop to the police because Mama found it. Uh oh. And this is where we get this week's Lifetime Edit of the Week.
1: Yes.
0: Mama finds the laptop, and there's like saf- soft, like sad music playing she looks up with like a steely determination and walks out of the room and bam it's like loud guitar music and it's cops like busting into happy and alex's apartment and they're all being arrested for murder while mama watches from her viewpoint at the front door across the way yes mama (laughs) um like a fucking boss um And real just says uh, the real Alex Lakin was convicted of kidnapping, resulting in death. He was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. The real Shane Riley was convicted of second degree murder. She was sentenced to 25 years in prison after agreeing to testify against her husband. Shock. Now, if you remember the whole reason she said they needed to get married in the first place is because they couldn't testify against each other. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And we end with Happy being walked across some kind of, like, prison walkway by a bunch of guards. Bye, bitch. Bye. And that's my case. I didn't realize it was going to take so long. I I I don't even have four full pages of notes.
1: See, and I have six pages, so I know I'm going to edit while I talk. Do it. All right. So And you can edit me
0: down, too. Like, I'm not going to be offended. Okay. Stuff out for me. I don't
1: care. Um, So... I... Had a lot of trouble, like I told you, finding sources for this case,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which surprised me because it was a lifetime movie. So you'd think it was like more well known.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: but I finally found this book that is super intriguing, called "Greed, Rage, and Love Gone Wrong: Murder in Minnesota." Minnesota, and it's a whole like it's a bunch of stories of like murders and uh, love gone wrong in Minnesota. Uh-huh. So. Um, And I did uh, a couple of times text our Minnesota expert, Anna. I saw that. For ways to pronounce things. And then I sent a couple of private messages to clear up some stuff. I wasn't sure.
0: I actually knew how to pronounce Bemidji,
1: but I was at work. I figured it was Bemidji, but um, whenever we did the uh, sinister minister, Mm -hmm. I very confidently said the name of the hospital. And then our friend Karen said, texted me and said I'd said it wrong and I was like I don't don't remember remember. what that was I think it was I said Lehigh and it's Lehigh but it's L-E-I-G-L-E-H-I-G-H oh yeah that's Lehigh
0: yeah that's Lehigh Mm
1: -hmm. um so but I was very confidently wrong so now I clear everything up um so there are three main players in this story Mm -hmm. and as I go I'll introduce the person that I cast as them um so the first big player we learn about is Jamie Dennis Uh played by a young Sally field. Ooh. And she is your happy. Okay. All right. So Jamie Dennis was born in Duluth, Minnesota. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And she was, when she was very, very small, she was given up for adoption. And was adopted by uh, out of foster care by uh Jody Dennis and her husband, uh-huh. Jeffrey Dennis. Uh-huh. Jeffrey was a Lieutenant Colonel in the air force. Okay. And he died in a plane crash when da- Jamie was five. So not a music star, wow. but still a tragic death when she was young. Yeah. Um. After that, her mother started dating again, like a few years later. And, uh, Jamie actually reported to a psychiatrist that she was being sexually abused by her mom's boyfriend. Um, the relationship between that man and her mother ended and she started dating the man that she would eventually marry. His name was mm-hmm. Sylvester Red and He went by Red. Mm-hmm. Um, Red's sister, Diane said in an interview that she thought that, um, that she never believed Jamie's reports of sexual abuse Mm-hmm. She said that um, Jamie's mom that Jamie had learned this behavior from her mom, who anytime her and Red got in a fight, she would say she threatened to accuse him of um, abusing Jamie. She she was like, I'll tell the cops you've been abusing Jamie. Holy crap. And the direct quote was, it's a weapon she uses when questions are raised about her gambling and other habits. I would bet that's how it became part of Jamie's story does that right that is fucked up yeah um so even though the oh aunt didn't God. believe it the psychiatrist did believe her reports uh-huh. and then said that jamie's behavior suggested something traumatic in her past which i'm no expert but i think your dad dying at five is pretty traumatic truth um so then also having
0: a batshit crazy mother who threatens to like yeah uh,
1: yeah, that's all very traumatic. And being given up as a also, baby. Wake like,
0: up! Stop it! Ugh.
1: Um. So, like, being adopted out of foster care, actually, a lot of recent studies show that when you change homes, even in foster care, mm-hmm. um, your psyche sees it like you're experiencing a tragic death.
2: Mm. And
1: that even, like, small babies who are adopted have to deal with a like a, their own coping mechanism during that. So she's had a couple of reasons to have traumatic experiences in her life. Just a couple. Um. Anyway, so the aunt Diane went on to say that Jamie caused a lot of trouble for their family and that she was known to steal things from everybody. So um, among the list of things that she stole, she... $15,000 from a restaurant? Not yet. Okay. Um. No, she stole things that had like great value to people, but no value to Jamie. So they weren't like monetarily valuable. For instance, she stole a pair of prescription glasses. Okay. And, huh.
0: I was going to th- say things with like sentimental value, but I mean glasses,
1: right? Don't- or like, uh, she had a cousin who was getting his, um, doctorate. Uh And he took her to the lab where he was working to do his research. And she stole his lab partner's research notes. And then from another aunt of hers, she stole a set of embroidered Care Bears. So again, nothing like of monetary value, but that were valuable to the people she took them from.
0: I need so much more information about the monogrammed
1: Care Bears. That's all I've got. Um. So she grew up into a struggling writer, much like me. So we're like kindred spirits. That way I get her on a deep, personal level. Are you going to
0: kill your BFF?
1: I mean, I might have already. You would never know. It's true. <laughs> no, mostly if I ever kill Lindsay, it's because we've done something stupid together. She and I are <laughs> two halves of a whole idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... She would spend all of her spare time, like, scribbling in notebooks and journals and diaries. hmm And she wrote stories that were v- inspired by her life. She had this character that she kind of um, deflected everything to that she named Elizabeth Veronica Devereaux. That's a mouthful. Right? Imagine having that child and you need to yell at them in the middle of Walmart. Oh, <laughs> um veronica's stories often had themes of loneliness infatuation unrequited love love triumphant mm-hmm. weddings friendships and then especially wrongs and, and paybacks
0: isn't her name
1: jamie yeah but her character was elizabeth so oh you said of, veronica and i was like, sorry oh, elizabeth liz <laughs> i say liz from now on because in casual conversation she refers to liz um So Jamie, in fact, spent a lot of time crafting Liz's wedding invitations to her dream man. And she like actually created this wedding invitation. And here's what I'm really confused by. The book Greed, Rage and Love Gone Wrong said the invitations were, quote, for her wedding to Jonathan Knight, a member of a rock band called the Backstreet Boys. And I'm going to lay out all the things that were wrong with that. The Backstreet Boys were not a rock band. They were a pop group. And sync was R&B. But Backstreet Boys were just a pop group. Um, And Jonathan Knight was a new kid on the block. No, that's Jordan Knight. Oh, is that it? Mm -hmm. See, I even Googled this and thought I was right. Okay, so Jordan Jordan Knight. But here's the other thing.
0: Are you supposed to put your occupation on your wedding invitation?
1: <laughs> um, obviously.
0: <laughs> oh man, my wedding invitation someday will be so boring.
1: About Jonathan Knight. No, Jonathan Knight was a new kid on the block. I looked him up. I can't see that. I noticed <laughs> that. <laughs> so, okay. I thought I'd gone crazy. I was like, I did this research because I thought that I was... Jonathan Knight were there two brothers in new kid on the block maybe like uh 98 degrees had brothers yeah his younger brother
0: jordan okay okay,
1: okay so we're both right yes so anyway God.
0: as long as i'm half right i'm good
1: now i don't know if jamie was wrong or if the author of the book just had no fucking clue okay but in either case liz was getting married to Jonathan Knight, the Backstreet Boy, the famous rocker from the Backstreet Boys. Wow. And um, Liz left Jonathan at the altar. And amongst Jamie's writings were Liz's letter to a friend in which she described the rainy and just plain yucky day. And that she sat at an airport and pondered, I miss him already, but I know I am doing the right thing by leaving him now before I can't. I've begun to enjoy parts of his lifestyle, but not all of it. I hate the bodyguards and the fans, the total lack of privacy, the fact that we cannot go anywhere. Okay, so I didn't like some of his family members. He never knew that. And I mean, that deserves a Pulitzer right there.
0: Okay, I just want to clarify one more time. These people are not real. (laughs) Right?
1: Correct. I did not miss the part where these are actual people that she knows.
2: Uh -uh. Nope.
1: This is all in her imagining. Okay. This particular piece was written when she was about 21 years old. At the time, she was interning at a juvenile detention center in Bemidji, Minnesota. Okay. And uh, she lost her job there because she was caught while having sex with one of the residents. What? uh Uh-huh. No. Yep. No. Uh Uh-huh. No. Uh (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Hold on. It gets better or worse, whichever way you look at it. Okay. Troy Hackett met Jamie at a party in Baudette, Minnesota um, around the same time, too. And he knew of her reputation with the residents there because he had friends who'd been locked up there that came back and talked about it. No! So, according to Hackett, her promiscuity was, quote, legendary. Before she was asked to leave, she allegedly had regular sex with four resident offenders. She fell in love with a 16-year-old there, and wrote a letter to his father explaining her emotional involvement with his son. She said she knew there was an issue with the age difference, but she was willing to wait until he was 18 to act on it. So the father sent that letter to the police and filed charges to try to have her arrested. As I would. Good on you, Dad. Yep. Because that's fucking gross. Yep. How old is
0: she when this is happening?
1: 21.
0: <sighs> Look, I'm the parent of a teenager... I don't understand these teachers that fall in love with their teenage boys are disgusting. They don't bathe. They're gross. You think you're in love with a teenager? You're wrong. You're not.
1: You're wrong. They're super gross. And if you're Uh, a teenager and you think you're in love with a teenager, you're not. You're not. No. (laughs) After this incident, um, Jamie attempted suicide on several occasions and one of these incidents is only important, like, is important later, so I have to bring mm-hmm. up some little details about it. Um, she crushed up a bottle of Nitol, which I'd never heard of, but it's an antihistamine, uh, kind of along the same lines of be- as Benadryl.
0: Yeah, and I think it's like a sleep aid. Like it's, a like sleep a, aid. it's like a, an antihistamine with, with sleep aid in it.
1: Right. Yeah. Just like Benadryl has a an yeah. antihistamine and a sleep aid, but it's got a different active ingredient than Benadryl. Yeah. Um, and s-
0: I remember the commercial jingle for that, but I'm much older than you, so.
1: You're five years older than me and not even.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's enough years for me to remember a jingle that you don't. Well,
1: you also watch TV and I never really have. It's true. Um, so, and then she swallowed them down with an alcoholic beverage, but all that managed to do was Thank make her girl. sleepy. <laughs> so she just like took a long nap, which sounds really nice to me right now. Mm-hmm. So she and Hackett went on to have a relationship kind of in quotes, like soft quotes around relationship, because in an interview he said they never talked or like went on a date or anything. She would just show up. They'd have sex. She'd like tell her some sob story, tell him some sob story after they fucked and then she'd leave. And so he said the only things he knew about her, um, besides her reputation with the juvies Mm -hmm. Um, was that she'd been in trouble for stealing a car that her dad had died in a plane crash and that she was going to be rich when the insurance money finally came in. Dude, your dad
0: died like 20 years ago. (laughs) That insurance money's not coming. (laughs) Not coming.
1: (laughs) So um, Jamie got pregnant as a result of this. And, um, she told Hackett that the child was his, but he doubted it for a long time. Um, so... Please tell me that when I'm Larry. I wish. That's the only way the story could get more fucked up. I know. So, she told him not to worry, that she was going to go to Colorado and put their son, Cameron, up for adoption. And then she disappeared from his life for a while. So, he thought she'd actually moved to Colorado and, and whatever. Um... In the meantime, he moved in with a new girlfriend in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And then she, Jamie, just appeared in his life again and started following him around. Whoops! She cornered his girlfriend at one point just to let him know, like, let her know that she'd had Troy's son and that um, he never comes to visit his son and, like, put her on, put Troy on blast. And that was how Troy found out that she hadn't put the son up for adoption.
0: I mean, he may not ever come visit the baby because he doesn't think you have been
1: anymore. That's a possibility. Don't worry. Don't she lets everyone know, though, that she has that kid. And by everyone, I mean one day she even went so far as to follow him to class at college, bust into the classroom in the middle of the lecture, and tell his whole class that he'd gotten her pregnant and wouldn't take care of his son.
2: No. uh Yeah.
0: Is she happy and sad? <laughs> She's just batshit. Did she did she kill herself and then they split her into two
1: personalities? <laughs> that would be a better story. Seriously. Um so later, uh, Troy Hackett actually took Jamie to court to sue for custody of his son. Mm-hmm. So like he really wanted to be involved in the kid's life. Yeah. So um It was during this time, the hearings for custody, that he found out about her full criminal record, which included felony theft of services, receipt of stolen property, and I wrote care theft. I think I mistyped that, and I don't know what it was supposed to be. Car? Exactly. Car theft, because she said she stole a car. Thank you. Glad I have you. Otherwise, I'd be wondering what the fuck care theft is for a long time um where you hire a
0: babysitter and don't pay them
1: (laughs) yes Yeah, yeah um at the time of the hearings she was pregnant with her second child um and she actually never told anyone who the father was um and then soon after she like late in that pregnancy and I mean, late in that pregnancy, she, pregnancy, she met a man named Michael Janakos. So now we're going to talk about Michael Janakos for a minute. Um, Michael Janakos, who would be played by Zach Miko. Do you know him? No. He's a brawn model. He's like a big and tall men's model. And I love his Instagram feed. He's super kind and inspirational.
0: What's his name again?
1: Zach Miko, M-I-K-O ch or ck ck uh ch i mean he's the target big and tall exclusive model or was for a while now they've had a couple more but um right, keep going i gotta yeah. get on this so um michael Janakos was a budding sports star as a teenager mm-hmm. but at at 15 he was like super promising he was a uh, built like a defensive lineman and he was playing like very skillfully, he um he had a like real future for football. Um but when he was fifteen he got hit by a car and uh and he was like a pedestrian who got hit by a car.
0: Well hot and, damn this guy is fine. Right? Okay, keep going.
1: Um it ruined his knee and so he couldn't play sports anymore. Um, and that was really hard on him because they lived in Moorhead, Minnesota um, mm-hmm. And he had transferred from this, like, little tiny private Catholic school where he'd done elementary and middle school to this giant high school. Uh-huh. Um, and so the only friends that he'd managed to make were on the football team. And so when he got kicked off the team because he couldn't play anymore, then he suddenly didn't have that friend group anymore. And he became this uh-huh. super loner.
0: Aww.
1: Um, during high school, he also developed a stress-induced facial tick. And that definitely made him more popular. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Right.
0: <laughs> so everyone in my high school that was popular totally had a facial d- tick.
1: Duh. Um. So Michael had not been ex- successful when it came to dating. He'd had like a couple of gone on a couple of dates, but nothing any serious. Mm-hmm. Um. So one night he was sitting at a bar in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, <laughs> and he saw Jamie Dennis performing karaoke. And in his interview, he said it was cool to see her standing there and performing Nine Months Pregnant. So when I said they met late in the pregnancy, I meant she went into labor the very next day. No. Yeah. God. She I'm, I pictured her setting up like Shania Twain, Any Man of Mine, and like the water <laughs> busting. like.
0: <laughs> so, um... I want to know if she went from being completely fine to full-blown labor in the middle of the song.
1: Well, yeah, in the bridge.
0: <laughs> any man of mine!
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes! So, um, so, like I said, the next day her daughter Bailey was born. And within a oh. few months, like, like four months, she was pregnant with his baby. Alec, like, girl, you gotta give your body some recovery time. For real. Um, so because of the ongoing custody battle with the first baby's father, mm-hmm. um, Troy—I mean, um, Cameron, her son was actually taken and put in her parents' care while they were okay. figuring custody out. Mm-hmm. So it was just Michael and pregnant Jamie and baby Bailey moved into Michael's parents' house together. Okay. And they tried to be, like, a supportive parent. Like, it tried to, uh, like they were trying to be supportive of the situation. They didn't know, kind of, how to deal with it, because he, like I said, he'd never had a girlfriend, really. Right. And then they went from, like, their son being moved out to his whole family being moved in. Um, and they were just dating. They hadn't gotten married. Um, and so while they were living in the Janakos' house, Jamie got arrested for the first time. She had run up a $600 phone bill using a false name, but the calls were traced back to her and she was sentenced to eight months in jail, but she was released early because of the pregnancy. Sure. So shortly after their child was born, uh, Michael's job, he worked at Wholesome Bakery. They transferred him to their St. Cloud, Minnesota factory. Mm -hmm. And um, they actually had a nice apartment, but in exchange, he had to be... Uh, one of the like um, caretakers of the apartment complex, and like a maintenance guy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, um, they had this nice apartment. He had basically two jobs. Um, and everything was happy. They lived happily ever after. The end. My notes are over. Uh, Excellent. That was a great story. Or someone walked mm-hmm. in to Jamie stealing from their apartment, like cuz he had keys to all the apartments she was oh. she was stealing from the other apartments in the building and somebody walked in on her in their apartment um which makes well, me just, think not- of that <laughs> aunt who said she was stealing at a young age yeah because for a while i was real mad at the aunt i was like this girl's had a hard life but the more i yeah. learned about her i'm like nope
0: well but here's the thing you can have a hard life and even act out when you're younger and do dumb shit and then grow up to be a perfectly fine right normal well-adjusted adult so even if she had been stealing as a child that's no reason to throw her under the bus it's when she like just continues that behavior right
1: that's like, what i'm saying part. yeah um so they got kicked out of their apartment and had to quickly pack up and move to moorhead where um the welfare department found them an apartment um, and I don't know how all that worked cause I wasn't jumping into it, but like welfare found them the apartment. And so I guess it was like a, um, like a section eight. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, Michael, once they moved there, Michael asked Jamie several times to marry him and also to cut back all the, like going out at night because she would just bar hop at all hours of the night. He would work all she day. No, she finally has this kid. Oh, right. But okay. she was, you forget, she was singing at the karaoke bar nine months pregnant, so... Right, but if your boyfriend's at work and you're at a bar, where is your kid? Well, she was he was working all day, and then he'd come home and take care of the kids, and she would go out. Um, sad. So she laughed at... Every time he proposed, she just laughed and said marriage wasn't for her. And then when he said why, why don't you stay home and you know, we can be a family tonight instead of you going out. She would threaten to hurt the kids or hurt Michael or leave and never come back.
0: Um, Michael needs to take those babies
1: and run away. Yep. Um, so I can't, even, oh, no. So they settled into this new routine of Jamie riding all day and then going mm-hmm. out and bar hopping all night is she selling of her writing, or is she? No. Just okay, I'm just wondering. You mean Liz's story about the rocker Backstreet Boy from New Kid on the Block wasn't making millions? I mean, I've read
0: some pretty bad <laughs> fan fiction in my day, so I mean, it's not completely beyond the realm of possibility. I mean,
1: you're not wrong. Um, Isn't Fifty Shades of Grey just like a fan fiction? It was a Twilight fan fiction that just changed a lot.
0: Exactly. And so let's not say that her weird story about the freaking Backstreet Boy rocker boy that she
1: left at the altar could not <laughs> have been just the great novel of our time. I mean, that's true. I think it was also The Mortal Instruments started out of a Harry Potter fan fiction. So, see,
0: it um, happens.
1: Meanwhile, I've been rejected. I put the moral by-
0: Instruments in a different like category than Fifty uh-huh. Shades. I was saying fan but... fictions can be successful.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, meanwhile, I've been rejected by every agent I've ever looked at. So maybe yeah. I should wow. write more fan fiction.
0: Keep going, you uh, can do it. I believe in you. I loved your book. Thank
1: you. I actually wrote a thousand words this week on my book that I haven't written on since November. So
0: excellent. See, so you guys, Paul is a writer and he wrote this amazing book that I got to read. And so maybe someday as part of our Patreon, we'll release it to our fans.
1: That'd be great. The edited version, because there's lots of typos in the one you read. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so he eventually found a new like new work that made more money working as a Mm -hmm. night clerk at Motel 8, which really put a wrench in the whole situation of Jamie going out every night.
0: I mean... How uh, dare
1: she have to be a mom? It's terrible.
0: Those goddamn
1: kids, they want stuff every five seconds. That's okay, though. She found a babysitter who'd work for free. Is it her BFF? It's that care theft we talked about earlier. <laughs> 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 so, um, there, uh, her across-the-hall neighbor was a woman named Kathy Fornes. And she had two daughters, Lisa Fornes and Anne-Marie Camp. And Anne-Marie Camp is sad. Oh. Anne-Marie would be played by Nikki Blonsky. She was the lead in Hairspray. (gasps) Oh, I know who that is. Okay. Hold on. I got you. Anne-Marie Camp, like I said, played by Nikki Blonsky, grew up in Moorhead, Minnesota, and in the book, Greed, Rage, and Love Gone Wrong, he describes her as, quote, mentally ill, overweight, and friendless. And honestly, those no same. I mean, but... <laughs> Let's... There are better descriptors. Yeah, like, that's rough. He's real disparaging about her in the opening. Like, his first few paragraphs about her are rough. Um, And... Um man that's really tough like wow i mean
0: i i understand that not everybody has perfect characteristics but to pick those 3 and be like this is what she was like that's pretty sad
2: right um
0: and i don't mean that on her i mean that on on the author the
1: yeah um in an interview her mother Kathy once said they made me take her out of head start because she was so out of control she was so big and she'd run around like a truck when she got mad she had a bad temper <sighs> yep. Her sister, however, Lisa, had a lot fonder memories of Anne. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she said, nobody at school liked her, so me and her were best friends. When mom and dad would fight, I'd get so scared. She'd lie down beside me and rub my back. She was sweet. And I'm glad that's the way someone remembers this poor girl.
0: Oh, I know. I, w- I would hope, you know, I'm not always the nicest person, but I would hope at least a few people would have, like, nice
1: memories of me. I'll try. I'll write a couple down in case I need them.
0: Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, anyone I've ever worked with would show up to my funeral and be like, she was a freaking bitch. She put Miranda Priestley, you know, in like, she made Miranda Priestley seem like a nice lady. Like,
1: <laughs> At least they'd show up for your funeral. Mine would forget to come.
0: They'd all be too fucking terrified not to.
1: <laughs> so at age 12, Anne-Marie was diagnosed bipolar, and oh. her peers started to distance themselves from her um, because she had two obvious settings when she was like low, when she was in a depressed state, she was withdrawn and antisocial and wouldn't talk to anybody. Right. Um, and when she was uh, manic, she was like, she went on hysterical rampages. And so do what? That's so sad. Yeah. And so this like um, her unpredictable, her unpredictability lent her to being a loner for most of her life.
0: That makes me sad. Like, you know, they see. You see sometimes when tragedies happen and they're like, oh, be nice to the weird kid. And but I don't think you should be nice to the weird kid so they don't kill you. I think you should just be nice to the weird kid because everybody's weird. I'm sorry. If you're a kid, you're all
1: weird. All of you. All Love of you. you. And everyone's a human being.
0: Yeah. Everyone's a person. Everyone's got their own shit that they're dealing with that you know nothing about. So why don't we all just be nice to each other and now I'll shut up and get off my soapbox. Thank you.
1: Thank,
0: <laughs> Thank you, you for coming to my TED talk.
1: That's what I was about to say. Um, <laughs> so as she got older, boys started to figure out how to take advantage of her.
0: Oh no. Because she
1: just wanted companionship. Like I should
0: have saved my TED talk.
1: Yeah. Okay. And um, she, Next week. <laughs> she reported when she was a teenager that she was raped by one of the boys who took advantage of her Um, by the age of 21. She was a mother um, and she was involved in a custody battle with the father of the baby. His uh, he was an alleged drug dealer from Fargo, North Dakota. Um, And so this is what I, they made X in the movie, like a decent, (gasps) okay, dude.
0: this guy, not so much.
1: Nope. Wait. Um, so Morehead is where she lived and he was from fargo they're separated just by the red river fargo's in north dakota even though the show fargo says it's in minnesota let me clear that up right now because anna made it very clear <laughs> i knew that too but anna made it very clear Yeah. and moorhead was in minnesota but
0: anna is a proud minnesotan she's yes. our president minnesota
1: um, but they are in fact closer together than like dallas and fort worth oh wow yeah
0: um, I always love when people come to Texas and they're like, "Oh, they th- they think that D- that DFW is like that Dallas and Fort Worth are super close to each other because everybody calls it DFW." No, they're not. They're like far. They're pretty far away from each other. Yeah.
1: Um. So they were just separated. It's like a six minute drive from the heart of Moorhead to the heart of North to um Fargo.
0: Oh yeah, that's super close. Then yeah. like way closer than DFW.
1: Mm-hmm. So the um the Ex-boyfriend, like I said, he was an alleged drug dealer. His name was Andy Bedrosian. And in this book, the the one I've been quoting since the only one I read, um, <laughs> Bedrosian told his girlfriend, quote, that he would shoot Anne before he'd let her get custody of their daughter. Um, Don't say things like that because you might regret it later.
0: Here's the other thing. If you say that, and then, anybody who hears you tell somebody about it, you're definitely not going to get custody. Even if she's like a one million percent nut job, which this girl doesn't sound like it. She just sounds like she's got some issues,
2: right?
1: Um,
0: so, drug dealer, shut the yapper and sit
1: down. Right. <laughs> Thank you for attending this TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Anne was on SSI um, on disability because of her bipolar, it made it too difficult for her to like keep work. Mm -hmm. Um, but she actually was really responsible with her SSI check. Oh, that's good. Um, she used it to, uh, rent an apartment in downtown Fargo. She, um, finally got on medication that were, that was actually helping manage her bipolar. Um, and she started to get like true independence. Yeah. Um, And so um, at the time that Jamie moved in to Jamie and Michael moved into this apartment complex and Lisa and Kathy were all living together and they struck up a friendship with Jamie. And so they started this rotation of one of the three women would watch Jamie's kids while the other two and Jamie would go out every night. And so just a different one of them would take a shift watching her kids
0: and at no point were they like, maybe we should all stay home?
1: I guess not. Okay. Um. And I know you're going to be shocked, but this lifestyle led to Jamie and Michael encountering a lot of money troubles.
0: I am
1: so shocked. I knew you would be. Um,
0: it is incredible how money runs out when you go and spend it every night. Right? Unreal.
1: And Michael saw his job at Super 8 as a dead-end job. But Jamie, always the thinker, saw it as an opportunity. No, Jamie. No, no. And by opportunity, I mean the opportunity to make some
0: real fast cash. By robbing people staying at the Super 8?
1: No, even better. Okay. On January twenty seventh, 1997, Jamie called Anne to ask her to babysit. Jamie went to the motel where Michael was working and duct taped his hands behind his back, duct taped a pillowcase over his head and left with the $1,200 in cash that was in the register up front. I'm not one to judge, but that's a real good way to accidentally kill someone. You, right? <laughs> um. So when the investigators arrived, Michael told them that two strangers had broken in and robbed him. And um, the, you know, the investigators just, it was their first night they believed everything he said and um the case is still unsolved. Okay. Or they knew immediately that something was up? Sure. And it turned- That sounds more likely. <laughs> they interviewed Michael for 2 days and um got information that connected Jamie to the crime. But Criminal masterminds, all of these dummies. Okay. Jamie refused to be interviewed without a lawyer, which everybody who's listening to this podcast never say anything without a lawyer present.
0: Always wait for a lawyer. Always. Uh, never take a polygraph. It cannot be. A, it's not a in court. Just don't do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Thank you for attending my third TED Talk.
1: <laughs> and when the lawyer did show up, the public defender did show up, the only thing that she would say was that she was at home that night with her kids. Then... Yeah. Yeah. Maybe also don't lie. Right. But. You don't have anything truthful to say. Just don't say anything at all. When it was all over, like when she got to leave, she confronted Michael about implicating her and then said, because of you, now I have to kill myself and the kids. That's a big
0: leap. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Let's all have a Klonopin and a nap and talk about it in the morning.
1: <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yikes. Okay. Um, but that's okay. Cause then she found out that the um, investigators had already interviewed Anne who told them that she had in fact been called to babysit for Jamie that night and that Jamie came home unusually early and had a bag full of cash and they used some of that to buy pizza. Weird. Yeah. Um, so Jamie was furious. She was so mad. She deleted, actually, this is the 80s or early 90s. It's um, the late 90s. She pulled Anne's contact information out of her Rolodex. Ah!
2: And,
0: like, tore it up in a million little pieces that could never be put back <laughs> together.
1: So, um, She manipulated Michael into telling the police that he had taken the money and then taped himself up to stage the robbery. And I wanna know how do you tape yourself like your hands behind your back and also not leave the roll of duct tape there beside you? Very carefully. God
0: (laughs) Well, I was I can't remember what show I was listening to a while ago, but you're like it was a couple found murdered in their home. They were like handcuffed. It was all it was very bizarre. And they were like, Oh, the police immediately were like, Oh, they killed themselves. And the I murder was like, how? Suicide. <laughs> how? Okay.
2: Um
1: then, It's like how do you shoot yourself and then the gun is like not on the premises? Right. <laughs> so then to make sure that he couldn't testify against her in court later, she agreed to marry him. And she admitted later. Like in later interviews that she only married Helm so that he wouldn't like could not be forced to testify against her.
0: See, that's the thing. If you're married to someone, you can't be forced to testify against them.
1: You can. Uh, Right. They just
0: can't make you.
1: She (laughs) figured that she was smart enough and manipulative enough to make it where he wouldn't take the stand.
0: I mean, I guess she was right. Well, if it ends the way my movie did.
1: Nope. Oh. Excellent. Uh, I love it. Oh, no, you cannot predict this ending, because I did not. Ooh. So, two weeks later, Michael and Jamie were officially charged with the Super 8 robbery. Mm-hmm. Michael had resigned himself to the inevitability of jail, but Jamie was sure that she could find a way out of it, and she saw Anne as easily manipulatable, manipulated, manipulable? Yeah. She could be easily manipulated. <laughs> <laughs> I teach English. Yeah, you do. And, um she could not be sure how Anne would act if she were to take the stand Mm because she knew that the cops would be able to get the truth out of Anne. Right. So on May 1st, 1997,
0: like the cops can quote, get the truth out of most people because most people aren't hiding a lot of stuff.
1: Right. Okay. Um, On May 1st, 1997, Michael Janakos purchased a 12 gauge shotgun from a pawn shop where he knew the guy behind the desk he frequented this pawn shop a lot where he would sell things to make money to pay for Jamie to go out bar hopping.
0: That's a good man right there. Yeah. Most boyfriends would be like, sit your ass at home. Yep. Twiddle your thumbs, watch the TV. I don't know.
1: I don't know. But, um, so he knew the, the pawn dealer that he dealt with. Uh Um, and according to him, Jamie asked him to buy the shotgun so she could protect the family after he went to jail. But, a, uh, Jamie's story. Because they were both arrested, but only he's going to be convicted. <laughs> yeah. Cause she had convinced him to say that he did it all.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: Right. Um, and so Jamie swore that the gun was Michael's idea and that she had nothing to do with it. Nothing. And about nothing, five. Nothing in her life. So he bought this gun in the morning at like 10 AM. Mm-hmm. About 5.30 PM that same day, Jamie gathered her children into the car and then she knocked on Anne's door and asked if Anne wanted to take a drive in the country. Does she
0: kill the kids i need I need plenty of warning no, okay, thank you
1: um according, I according to Jamie's story, Michael drove the car, but according to Michael, he was at his parents' house that night, and his parents corroborate that story, but it's parents, you know, yeah, but also, I don't know. So, um, he claims like blah, blah, blah. In either case, Anne climbed into the car and was handed a wine cooler, which had been laced with 20 plus nitol pills, according to Jamie. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, they drove to an old abandoned farmhouse where, um, they got out of the car and, um, Anne stumbled around because of the concoction they'd given her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um. 20 sleeping pills will do that to you? Yeah. And then she was shot at point-blank range by the shotgun. Oh my God. The shotgun, in fact, tore off most of her face and the top oh of her skull. No. Yeah, it was violent. Oh,
0: God, no. Oh, that makes my face... Uh-huh. Oh, God, no, that makes my face hurt. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh
1: Okay. Her throat was cut, but the medical examiner could not determine whether it happened while Why? she was still alive or after she died. Um, both children, who were less than two years old, were in the car parked just feet away when Anne died.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yep. So,
0: and This bitch is a m- even bigger monster than I thought. Oh,
1: and it still gets crazier from here. Oh, excellent. Um, Anne's body was discovered three days later by a farmer. She had been dragged behind the house. Um, investigators assert that it would have taken two people to... Sorry. It would have taken two people to move her because she weighed about 215 pounds at the time. Wow.
0: Oh, okay. And
1: um, a pair of latex gloves were found nearby the crime scene.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In the months that followed... Michael pleaded guilty to the motel theft and he received a 60 day jail sentence. Yeah. Okay. Because in January of 1998, Jamie went to trial, even though Michael had lied for her and said he did it all. And she was convicted based solely on Anne's testimony. And was sentenced to nine months in jail. Oops. Yep. Um, she appealed immediately and then remained free on bond until they could retry her. Sure. Um, investigators initially focused on Andy Bedrosian, the uh, the drug dealer that Anne had been fighting for custody with um, in her murder. Yes, they would. Yeah. Because okay. the girlfriend went straight to the cops and was like, he threatened to shoot her for custody. Yeah. So. Don't say stuff like that. Yep. He was eventually cleared. Um, and Jamie was only questioned twice in the initial investigation, but it was in relation to men that Anne was involved with. So they never saw her as a suspect in the beginning. Um, and by mid 1998, the investigation had slowed down, but in September, Michael made a call to his parents in which he told them he feared he was living with a murderer. He said he'd found a notebook of Jamie's, which described Anne's murder in first person through the voice of a wife who'd committed a crime with the intention of framing her husband so liz comes back to play remember how she lived her life through liz yeah um according to michael liz described she wore latex gloves so that she wouldn't leave fingerprints that she'd put sleeping pills in a wine cooler to drug the victim And that she brought a gun and a kitchen knife that had the husband's prints on it that she planned to use to implicate the husband. Something similar to this happened not too long ago. Really?
0: Where a guy had murdered his wife and then, like, he wrote, like, a short story later about a man who kills his wife. And it was so, like, eerily similar that they ended up arresting him. They, like, figured it all out and arrested him. Sounds like
1: the premise to that Jim Carrey movie, The Number 23. Yeah. Yeah. Which was no,
0: it was was a real thing that happened though. Huh? I had no idea. I, I, I have to find the story and
1: send it to you. So, (laughs) his parents told him that he needed to call the police with this information. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, duh. And so he did exactly that. Or, he confronted Jamie, and Jamie got mad. some motherfucker. Okay. Jamie got mad. You're snooping through my stuff, which we've both had a conversation about snooping through people's stuff. Look. Don't go through people's stuff. The one caveat to that
0: is if they murdered someone, you can go through their stuff. (laughs) It's okay. I was waiting to see what the caveat was. (laughs) Remember Sinister Minister? Yeah. Where he was like trying to kill her. And so it's like, if he's trying to kill you, you can go through his stuff. Yes. Well, if you know he murdered someone, you can also go through his stuff. It's
1: fine. Um,
0: Otherwise, keep your hands off it.
1: When Michael's family's family found out that he hadn't called the police they called for him um so the police searched the Janakos apartment um but they found no sign of the story because time had passed and jamie threw it away or it wasn't real i don't know this is where things get real blurry i think she probably wrote it okay um but i don't know so in march 1999 jamie was arrested for shoplifting um which violated her probation for an earlier theft which was not the motel theft. She has a long history of of, the, of stealing. Sure. Um, the report noted the subject has developed a reputation for being dishonest, manipulative, and untrustworthy. She has been increasing her sophistication for criminal activity rather than leaving it behind.
0: Ah, uh, has she though? <laughs> Is she becoming more sophisticated or just doing the same thing more often? Listen. It, just, a it
1: depends on your definition of sophistication. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, they pressured. Oh, so this gave the uh, investigators the opportunity to uh, play their own manipulation game. Like Jamie had been playing for so long. Sure. They pressured Jamie to snitch on Michael. And then they pressured Michael's family to tell him to snitch on Jamie. And they both like they told each one of them that the other was about to give them all their information because the prosecutors at that point said they didn't care who spilled as long as they could implicate somebody and close this case, which I think more importantly is, can we just find the person who did it? Yeah, I'm not a prosecutor and there are many reasons why I didn't go to law school. That's chief among them. I don't want to implicate somebody who didn't do anything.
0: Right. And that this is, Where you get into trouble years later when you have cases like Stephen Avery, of cases like Adnan Saeed, where the cops laser focus on someone just to close the case. And I mean, this is my own personal thing. And I think Stephen Avery is a piece of garbage. I don't think he killed Teresa Hoback. I think Adnan, I don't think uh, Adnan Saeed killed Haman Lee. And so now you have the wrong person in jail and you're never going to get it right because it's been too long.
1: And who are the, um, The three in Arkansas, the West Memphis three. Mm Yeah. You know, like, hello. We should have learned our our lesson, but no.
0: Put the right person in jail, not just a person. You don't want a warm body in jail. You want, like, the guilty person
1: in jail. So since the very first time he was interviewed, Michael's story never changed. He was at home. He came home. Jamie was uh, home with the kids. He came home after midnight. That's been his whole story. Like okay. that she was already home when he got home. Sure. Um, she claimed... Oh, and part of his story was that she claimed she was going to her mother's place to learn how to shoot the gun because she wanted to be able to be proficient with it while he was in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, And so um after he returned... Or he returned after midnight... And asked about the gun, and she said she left it at her stepdad's house. Um, and then the gun and the knife were never recovered, so we don't have any evidence behind that. Right. Jamie's story was first recorded on January fourteenth, two thousand,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it is that Michael planned and executed the whole ordeal. Okay, and that she just thought that he was going to try to scare Anne so that she would tell the police she lied about the babysitting and the bag of cash. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Um <laughs> and then uh she said her only involvement was to entice Anne into the car and to give her a drugged wine cooler. In February Okay. Oh, in February oh, just, of this, I find year. this
0: story completely ridiculous.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, all. don't worry. That's my face. So in February of this of that same year, she pleaded guilty to second degree murder under a plea bargain. Okay. She um pleaded to change her t- exchange her testimony Against Michael for a 25 year sentence for second degree murder. And in t- May 2000, she was able to fulfill her bargain and testify against Michael. On okay. the stand, Jamie gave a very touching and moving testimony about being scared for her life after Michael had unexpectedly killed Anne. She gave very detailed descriptions of the night and presented a, fo- a story full of drama. It was completely at odds with the scenario that the Ilm E had pieced together, so Michael McGee, who was the medical examiner um his testimony was that Anne had a huge dose of doxylamine nailed it, yeah, he
0: did as a person who's married to a doctor. I really think you could get her to help you with she's those. still
1: not home well, but I mean, presumably she's been home within the last week, yes. Well, I did the notes while her and her mom were shopping today. I'm just giving you how. Um, anyway, of whatever this doxylamine, doxy, doxylamine, whatever, um, which is an antihistamine that was once found in Nytol, um, but no longer was. So she kept saying that nitol was what had been put in the wine cooler. Um, because when she tried to OD on nitol before... That was the active ingredient, but it had changed. So even that story didn't line up. Um, and he said the amount of that drug that was in Anne's system probably poisoned her to death before she was even shot. Um, yeah. And then he said her arms were stretched above her head and there were cuts on her face and chest indicating that she'd been dragged face down to where she was found. Um, he said that she most likely had been shot after she was placed
2: there. Oh
1: my God, and that um he told the jurors that he could find um no evidence that she'd been shot twice, but Jamie swore that that she was there, and that Michael shot Anne twice um yeah, but Jamie's a big old fat liar, yeah, clearly. Um, her throat had been cut before the shooting, according to his testimony, and that if the poisoning hadn't killed her then the throat wound would have and so the gun was just excess um, Jamie swore that she saw Michael oh I said this crush up the nitol and put the wine cooler but nitol didn't contain this anymore right. um, so the jury deliberated for seven hours before returning a guilty verdict against Michael. On June 29th, 2000, however... Oh, no. A, on June 29th, 2000, a judge sentenced Michael to life in prison. And um, just over a year after his sentencing, the Minnesota Supreme Court ordered a new trial because they ruled that Jamie's was a marriage of convenience. And therefore, her testimony was inadmissible in court. Okay. Um, so the case was sent back to district court. And they couldn't use Jamie's testimony as a star witness. So, yeah, well, wait, there's more. Of course there is. So the worst infomercial I've ever heard. The case then moves up to federal court under pressing of the original prosecutor who had moved up to be a U.S. federal court uh, prosecutor instead of just a district prosecutor. Sure. Um because he was able to argue that since Anne had crossed state lines on the day she died from Fargo to Moorhead, mm-hmm. um, that, sorry, Sarah and her mom are coming back. So that's oh. going to be nice. <laughs> um, okay. So, um, because she crossed state lines, it became federal court jurisdiction and Jamie's testimony was admissible in federal court. So they retried the whole case. Jamie got to testify again, but only if they'd reduce her 25 years to 16. Um, her sentence was reduced. She testified again, and he was found guilty again of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison.
2: Man.
1: And on June 21st, 2016, Jamie Dennis Janakos was released from prison after completing her 16 year sentence. And that is the awful, awful case if I killed my BFF that
0: is she's the fucking worst
2: yep
1: the worst
0: so he's in jail yes
1: he's in jail and she's no longer
0: but she did this I mean there's, (laughs) there's no
1: doubt in my mind yeah but whatever wow Um, so tell me something good. What would you pair this drink with or pair this movie with? I mean,
0: um, I'm trying to think of like, you know, when I get at like together with all my friends, like what do I want to drink? I have like my BFF, a trashy movie and like some good wine.
1: Okay. So like Boone's farm. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> I would say like a rose, but sure. <laughs> Although it is Minnesota, so maybe a red because it's probably cold.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, a nice ice wine from Canada. Have you ever had ice wine? No. It's sweet, it's so good.
2: Mm. They
1: save some of the uh, grapes until the first frost of the winter. And then they all go out and they harvest all the frozen grapes and start the process right then when they're the sweetest because they're frozen.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, it's delicious.
0: I would still say rosé because...
1: Rosé it is.
0: Bitch. Um, yeah. So you tell me something good. Tell me about something you would like to see turned into a Lifetime movie. Please. I have
1: the craziest story for you. I've been holding on to it all week. Yay! Okay, so just up the road from me, actually... Um, The police responded to a call of a Mm break-in, and when they got to the place, they found a woman and her two children hogtied and a report that a man had run into the woods, which is really funny because the performance that I played all week was Into the Woods, and so that lined up for me. Um, So they started investigating they found the guy, and he'd actually committed suicide. Wow. Um, but as they started investigating further, they found the car that he'd been in, and it was stolen. So they traced this car back to its location in Harrison County, Texas. Um, and Harris or Harrison? Harrison. Right on the border. Okay. Yeah, so not far from me. Okay. Um, so, um, they call the um people there and they traced the car back to this home and they uh went to that guy's house and went in and he'd been murdered by the guy who stole his car. Holy crap. The hog tied woman was the man's ex girlfriend, and I'm not sure if the kids were his or not. What? And so details are still coming out about this. And it's just so crazy. Lifetime would have a field day with this kind of story.
0: That is bananas. That wouldn't even need to be like inspired by a true story. It would just be like true story. Well, you wouldn't (laughs) think this
1: one would be, but. I know. All right. Tell me yours.
0: All right. So unless you live under a rock, you saw that um, Hallmark, the Hallmark Channel took a big hit this week.
1: Um in that they're they're not playing Christmas movies this month. Please.
0: (laughs) Their superstar, um, Goody Two Shoes, Lori Laughlin, aka Aunt Becky. Not Aunt Becky was indicted on a um on the college admissions scam for apparently paying upwards of five hundred thousand dollars to have her daughters admitted to USC on a quote Rowing scholarship.
1: Okay, so here's my question: If you have five hundred thousand dollars to give to bribe, why not just pay for school? Just make a
0: building. Just build a yeah. building there and send your kids there. Right. I don't know. Also,
1: so, if your kid's too dumb to get into college, don't bribe. Tell them they need to go and work hard. For real. And so the the axe fell very swiftly for poor Lori.
0: Uh, they she were was... making
1: a. They're making a point of her.
0: They are. Like um, an example. That's uh, the Hallmark Channel immediately cut ties. Fuller House responded quite quickly and also cut ties with her. She's basically been fired. But the best thing that I saw this week was a headline that read about how hard this is for her.
2: Uh, uh, okay. Okay.
0: So already, like, already, because the other school involved in this is Stanford, and so already there's been, like, a a lawsuit of people that applied to Stanford, like, during this time and were not admitted. Right. So I assume this is going to go on for a very long time. I assume it's going to be very dramatic. I see something kind of bling ring-esque.
1: Uh-huh. That's exactly what I
0: thought Like, with a studious, like, edge. And I think Hallmark needs to let this one go to Lifetime and let Lifetime just do what they will with it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Hallmark cut ties with her, so. And I
0: mean, since Lori Laughlin can't get work now, maybe she could play herself in the movie. Right?
1: <laughs> Something at least. At yeah. least when um, Martha Stewart went to prison, she didn't go out and talk about how hard things were for her. Like, she just accepted it like a champ. Yeah, she did. And now she's best friends with Snoop Dogg, so everything turned out okay for her. Right? Aunt Becky, get with it. Right. Get and my mom was precious. She was like, and they took her passport so she can't go to Canada and film. And I was like, no, mama, they took her passport so she can't go to France and get asylum. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and the other thing that has really knocked on well for her is that her daughter is basically what the kids now would call an influencer. Uh huh. Got a YouTube channel. She's on the Instagram, whatever. But she posts constantly about how she hates school. She doesn't want to go to school. She doesn't... Yeah. (laughs) Right? This is why when you have kids, tell them to not say shit on the internet. Just shut up. Right. Say it in private. Say it to your mom. Say it to your dad. Say it to your grandma. Don't say it on YouTube. (sighs) The whole thing has just... I mean, frankly, been quite delightful
1: to watch. So. <laughs> people are so stupid, and I'm I glad. It, it reminds me that even rich people have their own problems. Now, they're stupid problems, but they have problems.
0: True, and I mean, Felicity Huffman, she's in this too, but she's still got William H. Macy.
1: And she is out a lot less money than Lori Laughlin. Yeah. Like... Like, they're coming down hard on Lori Laughlin.
0: They are. They are. Well, I, oh, Felicity Huffman's not really working a lot right now anyway. So. That's true.
1: She hasn't mm-hmm. really had to since Desperate Housewives, though.
0: Right. I mean, William H. Macy's off, you know, doing Shameless, too. I'm sure that brings in quite a lot of cash. So. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, yeah, like, I, I'm ready for this. I want to see it come out. Yeah.
1: All right. So um, do you remember what we're watching next week?
0: Next week, we're watching a movie called We Have Your Husband.
1: Which I'm really excited for, but not as excited as Piranha 3DD.
0: <laughs> Which you're going to go like, search as soon as we hang up. In
1: incognito, so that it doesn't ruin my search history. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, where can people find us? Oh, man. Okay, so we're on the Twitter at Life sentence pod
1: yes. on
0: Instagram at lifetime sentence.
1: You can email us at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com. And you can find our blog where we put show notes and sometimes links, um, at lifetime sentence pod.com.
0: Yeah. And I mean, all you new people like welcome again. We love you already. Great review, subscribe, like mash all the buttons, listen to all the episodes. Um, we're excited to have you.
2: Yeah, welcome to the family.
0: Yeah, we're one big happy lifetime family here. <laughs>
1: um. Anyway, so it's going to be a fun week. I'm on yeah. spring break. You're working, so I'm going to point and laugh from a distance because you could hit me if I would come closer. It's true. Um, but have a great week. You too. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Secrets, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.
0: Hey, true crime fans. Have you listened to Wine and Crime yet? We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by three childhood friends who chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash our worst Minnesotan accents.
1: Each week, us gals pick a true crime topic and pair it with a delicious wine before delving into the background and psychology behind the crime.
0: Then we share and speculate wildly about a couple of bonkers cases related to the topic. Past episodes include necrophilia, cults, Crimes of passion, cruise ship disappearances, exorcisms gone wrong, all this over a bottle of wine, or let's be real, three. Listen anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod, and check out our website and blog at Wine and Crime Cheers! Cheers.